And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my friend Greg Price. Always a great time talking to Greg. We uh, broke down a, a crazy weekend of NFL playoff football. Uh, we talked about all the latest with Russia, Ukraine. Uh, we talked about Glenn Youngkin's uh, pretty solid first week as governor of Virginia and, and a bunch of other stuff. I think you guys will enjoy Before we get to Greg, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. And if you are on iTunes, please take, I don't know, five seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate it. If you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Greg Price. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Greg Price. Greg, how have you been, man? Been good. Good to be back on. Absolutely, my brother. So before we get into the real news of the week, um, yesterday, man, was like the craziest day of football ever. Like the Bucks rams game was awesome, and then the Bills and the Chiefs had like, I mean, I'd have to say like the greatest fourth quarter of all time. At least in the playoffs, maybe like ever. I mean, that was absolutely ridiculous. And then like we're robbed of more greatness because of the ridiculous NFL overtime rules. So like I feel like we just we deserved more Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Like the American people have suffered enough and uh, we got to repeal and replace the NFL overtime rules immediately. Yeah, the overtime rules are literally insane. And imagine being a Bills fan right now. You have like probably one of the most tortured histories of an entire franchise and now you finally are there and the Chiefs are probably the best team you're going to beat and you literally take the lead and 13 seconds you'll 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 lose it that's it's it was a crazy game but I can't imagine being a Bills fan like my goodness I mean as an Eagles fan we've had a lot of tortured chapters in our history but at least we had our one Super Bowl run I can't imagine being a Bills fan right now like that's literally just having open heart surgery every single season. Oh gosh, man. I know. And it's like, you knew as soon as it went to overtime, you're like, Oh man, like whoever wins the coin flip is going to win because each team had scored two touchdowns in like less than a minute each. Like it was like completely ridiculous. So it's like, uh, yeah, man, it's really coming down to a coin flip. Like that is just like, why? why yeah. Do I don't like, yeah, yeah I don't ahead. entirely know like what the answer to it is either because like, I, I feel like they shouldn't go just right to the college version of overtime. Because that, because those overtimes sometimes go to like nine or ten, and I feel like that would just like be ridiculous. That would eventually just get comically ridiculous. I mean, but I think they should. But they I think like to, each team has to get the ball. Like it should be like, it, I'm not saying it has to have like a like in college or like in basketball where there's just like a whole another quarter, you know, like another 15 minutes or whatever. But like, how about you know if the team who wins coin flip goes down, scores a touchdown, the other team gets the ball, at least to try to match it. And then if they both score touchdowns, then, like, if, if you both go score a touchdown, then then make it like the next score wins. But, like, you yeah. can't just, like, sit big old boy Josh Allen on the bench 
and not let him touch the ball. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, I feel like if they changed it where it's like they each get a drive and then, like, they get rid of the thing where if you score a touchdown, the game ends, I feel like that would be a pretty good change. But I guess, like, I guess if you're a Chiefs fan, though, you don't really care because in the AFC Championship game three years ago, Mahomes never touched the ball when Brady won the game. That's true. So I guess if you're a Chiefs fan, you're kind of like, I don't really give a fuck right now. That's true. But, and I saw on Twitter this morning in 2019, because they do like the, like with each like player rep for like the union that they have and then the league they meet and like discuss rules every year. And in 2019, the Chiefs delegation proposed that rule change that each team would get the ball in overtime. And yeah. the rest of the teams voted it down. So, hey, man, I mean, you know, you can't be mad at the Chiefs. They legitimately tried two years ago to change this rule. So, Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So another a bummer over the weekend. Uh, I mean, obviously, like, you know, your team, the Eagles, my team, the Steelers are out. So I have to, like, manufacture. Like, I, I, try, I always want to, like, root for a team. You know what I mean? Just because it's, like, more fun to, like, care who wins than just to be like, I hope they all have fun. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I have to manufacture, like, rooting interests at, you know if the Steelers aren't in the playoffs and I was rooting for the Packers specifically because Aaron Rodgers makes journalists sad you know and I don't like it when journalists get their way and like the worst part of the Packers losing to the Niners is that all these sports journalists thousands of them feel justified to mock Aaron Rodgers one of the greatest players of all time the journos just hate him because he isn't a Democrat but, dude, Greg, like, imagine being a 700-pound moron who writes the same dumb column about Tom Brady's diet every day. And you ha- you think you have the moral high ground-, ground to mock Aaron Rodgers with your Cheeto fingers on Twitter. Just insufferable people, these journalists. It's, it's just incredible how people like Aaron Rodgers and people like Cole Beasley have generated this amount of hatred from the entire Internet simply because they took the— totally outlandish stand of supporting medical freedom for people and people to actually look up and do research before they take the COVID-19 vaccine and don't just take it like a sheep without questioning what you're doing to yourself. It's amazing how that totally outlandish and ridiculous stand has generated so much hatred from these people from Aaron Rodgers. And like, you're right. Sports journalists are some of the most annoying people on planet earth. They think like, you know, they cover sports, therefore they know what they're talking about on everything, on every sort of issue from COVID vaccines to anything else. And like just listening to sports journalists talk about politics is one of the most annoying things on planet Earth. And like you said, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. He's if if he wasn't on such a horribly run organization like the Green Bay Packers, he'd probably have more than one Super Bowl. But to like watch these people just mock him for his playoff losses to the Niners and for his one Super Bowl, like this guy being one of the greatest QBs in NFL history. And the only reason they hate him is because they're un- he's unvaccinated. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers. I would, I, I, I would, I would should go to guess that Aaron Rodgers is in, knows a little bit more about health than the fat fucking sports journalists <laughs> who felt the need to shit on him after they lost the game Saturday night. It's just insufferable, man. It's insufferable. And like I don't really care who wins the Super Bowl, but like I'm I'm just like this I'm I'm like, all right, I'm just rooting against the Chiefs specifically because all the sports journalists love the Chiefs. And I just don't want the journalists to get what they want. 
that's kind of just my like I mean if you just root against corporate journalists whether it's in sports or in politics you're just like always on the right side of history the journos are just yeah exactly just pushing for the wrong <laughs> things saying you're doing the wrong things all the time so i'm just like yeah i'd like to see stafford get one you know he was stuck in detroit forever and ever like he deserves a ring you know like i, I just don't you know the the bangles obviously they're like you know underdogs but i'm like you know i bet the journos will be like you know what I mean? like the journalists they're so obsessed with politics the sports journos are like they're just going to be like if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, they're going to make it about Aaron Rodgers. They'll just be like, see, this is why like Patrick Mahomes is already better than Aaron Rodgers. It'll have nothing to do with the Packers or Aaron Rodgers or anything. But yeah, just like that's just how these idiots think, man. So I'm just like, let's yeah. just let somebody beat the Chiefs. That'd be fun. And there's like the idiots like Skip Bayless, who is like he's an Aaron Rodgers hater and a Tom Brady stand and I was always like oh Tom Brady's won all these Super Bowls therefore he's a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers as if football isn't like the ultimate team sport and it's not one player that usually determines whether or not you win and so they like point to all of Aaron Rodgers's you know the fact that he's the Packers have come up short in the playoffs like devoid of any context whatsoever just because to dunk on him just because they hate him because he's unvaccinated it's oh, ridiculous yeah. And if oh, the dude. Chiefs are the Chiefs being back in the Super Bowl, they'll definitely make it about the tomahawk chop too, and how it's racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like the Chiefs have gotten, oh, they haven't been like subjected to that by the press. I want, I don't really know why, but I mean, I'm sure they will eventually. Yeah. But yeah, like all those people, like Skip Bay- Bayless and all these guys, like they'll, like, I mean, Tom Brady lost too, <laughs> and he did not play well <laughs> against yeah. the Rams. And it's like he'll get all the criticism will be on Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Like, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers both lost games at home that they were projected to win, and only one of them would be criticized. You know what I mean? It's just so, like, these people, man. It's like, you know, for anybody in the audience who, like, just follows politics all the time and doesn't watch sports, like, sports media is the exact same as political media. It's just different talking points. But it's it's like, they're they're just as biased. They're just as ridiculous. Like, ugh. And it's 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 not even the exact same. It's a whole lot worse because, like, at least pe- political reporters, despite being idiots, they actually like cover this stuff and know what it is that they're talking about. Sports journalists have absolutely no fucking idea what they're talking about when it comes to <laughs> politics. No. Besides what they read on the internet or watch on TikTok or whatever, they don't actually they actually attempt to commentate on these things without actually having the slightest idea of what's happening. And so because of that, it makes it even worse. Like a good example is like the time when uh, Jalen Rose went on TV and was talking about the Jacob Blake shooting. and was like oh, talking yeah. about how Jacob Blake was an unarmed African-American shot dead by police. He says this on TV, like on right before an NBA game as if Jacob Blake wasn't still alive and was holding a knife. Yeah. And it's like things like that. They miss like all these facts because they have literally no clue what they're talking about. They don't even take the time, man. I mean, yeah. it's like they just they, they don't even feel the need to know what they're talking about. Like they've never been held accountable for anything they've said or done their entire lives. So it's just like I don't know. Like they don't even think like their their minds don't even go to like, oh, I should I should check this out. Like like I should I should Google it. Like they just they don't, man. They they don't feel the need to do so. So I mean, all right. So we gotta talk about like the big news of the week. Um and that is Ukraine is about to become the Ukraine again. Um Obviously, that sucks for Ukrainians. But right on cue, our rulers do everything wrong um, from from all sides. I mean, like, 
it's what these people do, man. I mean, they, they handle everything as poorly as physically possible because our leaders are quite literally the dumbest people on the face of the earth. Um, but the corporate press, I mean, they right on cue, they want war with a nuclear-armed Russia because they're a bunch of degenerate psychopaths. And then Joe Biden's doing that Joe Biden thing where he handles everything in the worst possible fashion. He tells Putin to invade, <laughs> invade Ukraine. Uh, and he threatens to send tens of thousands of troops to Eastern Europe. So, I mean, like, we'll get into it in more detail. But, like, just... A mess. I mean, this is just a mess, Greg. Like all around, from from all sides, just a mess. Well, are you getting a lot of deja vu, Brady? Because I am. You know, this always happens when there's potential for a major armed conflict in the world. The warmongers in D.C. and the biggest cheerleaders for war in corporate media start. You know, they start getting excited and they start. You know, just call all of a sudden out of nowhere, calling for war with Russia and sending American troops to defend this a random foreign country in the world. It's it's literally insane. Like, you know, as you said before we started the show, like you can feel for your fellow humans in Ukraine. I'm, I'm sure getting invaded by Russia is not the most fun experience in the world. But at the same time, that's not our fight. Like we have uh, like it's, it's not America's fight. It's a fight between Russia and Ukraine. It has no bearing on our country at all. The area of the world doesn't exactly have any strategic interest to our country. But what's what but like. But like the establishment in D.C., there's not a there's not a place across the world that they won't send American troops to defend, except for our own southern border. Yeah. But we'll defend we're, we're going to defend Afghanistan's border. We'll defend Ukraine's border, but we won't defend our southern border. Now, let me ask you this question. How much how much is like fentanyl kills thousands of Americans every single year that's coming through our southern border? Drug and human trafficking kills a lot of people every single year. The migrant crisis kills people. More people die as a result of the catastrophe on our own southern border than probably will in a war between Russia and Ukraine. But these people have never once considering sending American troops to actually defend our own borders. They want to defend other countries' borders, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, you're absolutely right, man. I mean, fentanyl—I believe fentanyl was the leading cause of death for men under 40. It was, for the first time ever. Think about that number, man. More than car accidents. More than anything. I mean, that's— I mean, it's absolute tragedy, and and you're right. I mean, the obviously the the Demo- I mean, the Republicans don't really either. But you know, the the Democrats have no interest in in closing the southern border. And but it's like the talking points, man. Like on, on both sides of this are ridiculous. I mean, like the Warhawks, obviously they they're they're pretending like if if Russia invades Ukraine, that it's like Poland in 1939, right? Like this is some existen- existential threat to the West. The Soviet Union's coming back. It's like, guys, this isn't Germany and Poland in 1939. Like, Russia is not marching into France next, okay? Like, this is not an existential existential threat to the West. This is of real, really no geopolitical interest to at least the United States at all, um, at least from where I'm sitting. I, I just don't— Yeah. It, well, it's, it's, it's preposterous. Well, that's what's so hilarious about it is just, like, Russia and Ukraine are, like, not even remotely powerful countries. Like, Putin— like. Putin projects Russia as this powerful world power, even though it's literally like a declining superpower. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And dude. Ukraine, I mean, they're, they're, and Ukraine, their, military, their military is a paper tiger, and it kind of always was. Um, but, I mean, they, they do have nukes, obviously. That makes them extremely dangerous. But, like, their economy, I mean, past just their military, they, they can't, like, Russia could not invade Europe. Like, they, they're, they're not bringing back the Soviet Union. Their economy is the same size as the Spanish economy. Roughly the same size, a little bit bigger than the state of Texas. 
Okay, like this is an economy that produces nothing besides vodka and a little bit of crude oil. They have no money. They're in debt. They have, I mean, like, it's just not, Russia can't, the, the Soviet Union's not coming back anytime soon. They can't afford this. I mean, they don't even want, like, a war in Europe. They can't, or they, in Ukraine. They just kind of want to, like, take over half the country or whatever. And, and what you know, I don't know. There, and obviously, but it bothers me that the simpleton, the simplistic arguments, even from people I disagree with, too. Like, it just drives me crazy. Like, I, you, you probably don't see libertarian Twitter the same way I do. But, like, it, it was the same way with Afghanistan. It drives me nuts. They'll be like, oh, who cares? <laughs> not, not, None of our business. Who cares what happens to all those innocent women and children in Afghanistan? Oh, who cares about Ukraine? You know, who, who cares if Ukraine's a country or not? It's like... Okay, well, you sound like a sociopath. You sound like just as much a sociopath as, like, the Warhawks do. You know, how about, like, be anti-war because you're not a sociopath and then also have empathy for your fellow human beings because you're also not a sociopath. So it's like, I, I obviously, I'm against any kind of military action in Ukraine. Also, hey, man, I wish President Dementia didn't go on TV and encourage Putin to invade Ukraine. Yeah, that wasn't great. I, I certainly wish that didn't happen. I, you know, I wish there were American leadership you know, didn't completely fumble the ball on all levels like they, they have been the last six months. So it's like two things can be true at once, man. Like, I, I just I can't stand, like, the Twitter foreign policy one-track brain kind of, like, simplistic arguments. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, the, the Twitter foreign policy experts are definitely going to be logged on and in, in, full, in full focus all week long. But, you're like, you're right. I mean, sure, it's Russia— definitely not a friend to America. It's not exactly a foe either. They don't exactly have any sort of threat to us, but like the bottom line is this is a border dispute with Ukraine and they care more about that than the actual border catastrophe that's occurring in our own country. And the thing that always amazes me when these things happen is just how quickly journalists, like not, not even just like journalists from, like friendly media outlets, but like Fox news journalists are like some of the most, the biggest cheerleaders for war ever. Like there was that one lady, Jackie Heinrich, who's like, who's asking Biden the other day, are you, why are you waiting for Putin to make the first move? And he said, that's a stupid question. And I was like, I I missed that, man. I didn't see that. And I was like, rare Biden W right there. Like that is a stupid question. Like, what do you, do you want him to send what do you want him to do? Send troops to Ukraine? Oh, but like this happens. Like I remember the situation with the Kurds a couple years ago. There was that other Fox News lady. I forget her name who was like, you know, talking about how the, like Kurds are going to be slaughtered on mass if the U.S. doesn't do anything to protect them. And it's like it's like journalists from like news outlets. We like I like like just all of a sudden turn into the biggest war hawks ever. Like think it's, about I, that question, man. Think about the, the the Fox News lady. What? Think about that, like, dude. <laughs> Why are you waiting for Putin to make the first move? Like, what? Okay, journalist. What yeah. would you have? What would you have the federal government do? Like, what is that? What is America making the like attack Moscow? <laughs> like, what on earth are you talking about? Like, what? Think for five seconds about the ramifications of th- launching a preemptive strike on a nuclear armed power. I mean, you're talking about World War Three. My goodness, these people. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, I, I missed that one. I that that made me sick. <laughs> it's really gross. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gross, man. It's and gross. like Biden and like Biden responded 
and was like, that's a really stupid question. And I was and like a bunch of, you know, all people on the right are like, oh, you know, Biden is rude to journalists, whatever. Imagine if it were Trump. I was like, but I was like, OK, that that was literally the dumbest question I've yeah. ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, it was like, yeah. my goodness. But it's like, but that's literally like the media ecosystem in D.C. is all like that. Like, it's not just like I, I hate to pick on Fox News because I, you know, I like Fox News generally. But like. That's like the entire media ecosystem in D.C. is just the biggest cheerleaders for war. They were the biggest cheerleaders for the Iraq war. They were the biggest cheerleaders, you know, for all the other useless wars across the world. You know, they were the ones saying that, you know, Donald Trump was like doing the the biggest human rights catastrophe in world history when he wouldn't defend the Kurds. Like these people, every single time there's an opportunity, there's a war, like a potential conflict arises overseas. It's like they just all all get hard at the same time. Like yeah, I don't man. know what it is. Just they're they love it, man. They yeah, love it. I mean, they it's like these people in the in their media elite bubbles on the coast. I mean, they just they literally view foreign policy as just pieces on a chessboard, man. They don't understand that these are human beings. I mean, when when you talk about war, you talk about women and children dying on mass. I mean that that's what war is. War is not clean and nice and noble and and all this romantic ridiculous nonsense. It's women and children getting drone bombed. That's what war means nowadays. So yeah, except it's America doing the droning. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so the State Department issued a, a memo saying all, all American personnel should leave Ukraine immediately. They said we're not going to evacuate you. You're on your own. So, <laughs> I mean, bro, I, I will say, has anybody? In, like, world history, any regime ever, anywhere, been worse at evacuations than the Biden administration? Dude, I, I don't—is it just a thing from now on that America just can't get American citizens out of war zones? I feel like we've—that's something we've done pretty well in the past. What what exactly has changed Dude. in the last, like, year where yeah, we man. just can't get our people out of war zones? Like, what the hell is this? Dude, Churchill mobilized like tens of thousands of civilian fishing boats and sent them to Dunkirk across the English Channel and evacuated 400,000 British soldiers <laughs> on fishing boats. And Joe yeah. Biden can't airlift people out of an embassy. It is like just many, like, my like how, goodness. Like how many possible American citizens do we even have in Ukraine anyway? Like, is it, is it a lot? Like, like how, how, what, what exactly is preventing us from doing this? I don't getting, know. Or people out of war zones. Like, what the hell? Like, that's not like I'd have to do some research, but I'm pretty sure we've been pretty successful at that. I mean, it's before. like the Biden administration is trying to set the bar just as low as possible. I'm like, I don't even think like has Putin even threatened to like take Kiev, to take over the whole country. I don't even think so. I think he's talking about like I think it's just over Crimea, if yeah. I had to guess. But it's like the Biden administration. They just they're so just horrible at their jobs. They're like, hey, look, guys. You y'all saw Afghanistan. We're not going to be able to get just get just figure it out. Just get out. <laughs> like, just hey, just like, just just have a margarita and take a kickboxing class. Oh gosh, man! Has <laughs> anybody is anybody more out of touch with the American people? Oh my gosh, it's just it's crazy, man. Well, all right. So before I let you go, let's talk about we haven't had any like positive news on this podcast in months, but we actually do have some good news in the world of politics, in your home state, Greg, of Virginia. Your new governor, Glenn Youngkin, had a banger of a first week in office last week. And, um, like, I mentioned to this to you before we started recording. Like, I just assume every Republican politician is going to be a failure. <laughs> like, I just, like, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm old enough. I'm, 
I turned 33 here in a few weeks. Like, I'm old enough to know that, like, just your people are just almost as bad as their people once they actually assume office. It's just kind of how things work. But, like, Glenn Youngkin, man, he's had a heck of a first week. You know, banning critical race theory, saying kids don't have to wear masks in schools. He completely gutted the state's diversity, equity, and inclusion program. Um, and, and staffed the department with a bunch of people to hate all that nonsense. So it's like, I don't know, man, like Yunkin, he's, uh, he's, he's surprised me so far. Me too. Like I didn't really like as a Virginia resident, as someone who lives like very close to DC, which is the land of, which currently has a mask mandate and a vaccine passport mandate. I, my only expectation I had for Glenn Yunkin was don't make me force me to wear a mask or take a vaccine. I don't really care what else you do. I didn't really expect him to govern like Ron DeSantis or, you know, govern like the way I personally would have wanted him to. But like, okay, if he does, if he doesn't govern that way and he just doesn't impose mandates on me, I'm fine with that. Real quick. Sorry to cut you off. Let me just let me let me just cut you off real quick, man. Imagine explaining to yourself like five years ago that in 2022, your only you would view your governor as a having a successful term if all he did was did not force you at gunpoint to wear a mask or take an experimental drug injection. Dude, I know. What what world are we living in right like, now? That is that this is the world we're living in. Yeah. It's yeah, that's, that's I didn't really think about that. Yeah. I mean, I just, just as soon as you said that, I'm like, my goodness. <laughs> like Yeah. I mean you live uh, like you live you live in Ohio, so you live like I the culture there is definitely a night and day in comparison to Washington DC, where you know, this town's full of a bunch of neurotics who wear like they're all triple vax and they wear their three masks outside while walking their dogs and they're just like they've they've begged Muriel Bowser for months to force a vaccine mandate on the city. Like just living in blue areas, man. It's it's it stinks, but but Virginia, but like you know, Virginia's looking up now. Like I, that, as I said, that was my only expectation for him. He said he wouldn't do any of those things, and so I was like, okay, great. But he came in, and like you said, he bans. He he signed eleven executive orders in his first day. He banned CRT. He repealed the vaccine mandate for state employees. He fired the entire Virginia parole board, the corrupt parole board that let murderers out of jail too, that was letting murderers out of jail too early. Um, he authorized his attorney general, Jason Miares, to investigate the Loudoun County School Board, you know, the most corrupt school board in the entire country. He's doing, you know, he's, he's doing all these things and like he's using, and he also changed the, the state masking guidance or, or not the state, not, not the masking guidance, the state testing guidance to, this basically the same where it is in Florida, where if you have symptoms, stay home, don't necessarily get a test, you know, only test if, you know, don't test just randomly for no reason at all. Like all these things that make sense. And then, you know, um, what was the other thing? I was, I was just thinking of one thing and I just freaking forgot it. But anyway, anyway, like that, those are all, th- you know, those are logical things govern- that governor, Republican governors should be doing, using the power of government, using your power that you have to do right by your citizens. And that's what he's done so far. And I hope that's what he continues to do. And he's doing a great job and I'm very proud Virginia resident because of it. Yeah. I mean, he just spent all week repealing ridiculous Democrat nonsense. Yeah. And I around he he knew like, look, and when the Democrats impose all these restrictions on you via executive order, 
those executive orders are just as easily reversed. And I don't know why uh, Republicans don't I mean, just take a buzzsaw to their predecessors' executive orders as soon as they're elected. You know, but my I, I'm I'm waiting for this because you're going to see it. These people are going to come out of the woodwork, Greg. Pay attention to anybody who claims to be on the right who criticizes Glenn Youngkin for like his executive orders or for like, you know, oh, is he trying to rock the boat too fast? Pay attention. I, I have eyes like a hawk, Greg. I'm watching these. I'm watching these idiots. These DC Republicans. Pay, same with Ron DeSantis. Pay attention to anybody on the right who has something negative to say about these comments. I mean, not that like I'm not saying you have to disagree. You know, if you agree with everything Ron DeSantis does, everything Glenn Youngkin does, whatever. But like both of these governors, they made a name for themselves, obviously very quickly in Youngkin's case, just doing common sense stuff. I mean, just common sense, conservative, you know, no brainer kind of stuff that 90% of normal people agree with. And you still get like a lot of like the DC Beltway Republican tri- types criticizing Ron DeSantis, saying he's like too much like Trump or too much like too, too much like this, too much like that. And pay attention to anybody who wants to criticize Glenn Youngkin because it's like from his campaign and anything he's done in office and anything he's campaigned on, I can't point to anything in Glenn Youngkin's platform at all that isn't something that like 100% of Republicans would agree with. Or well, anybody, actually- like any conservative, any like libertarian, any like populist, like it, this is all just common sense stuff. Like there's nothing to criticize here. So same with DeSantis, how you saw a lot of like the, the rhinos come after him. Pay attention to people who, who criticize Yunkin because his, his record so far, either what he's promised and what he's you know delivered on has been pretty bulletproof, at least in my opinion. No, like Glenn Yunkin's campaign gave the GOP the blueprint for 2022. Like 100%. he, like people forget that back last summer and like in the early days of the campaign, he wasn't winning. Like he was losing by double digits back then. Yeah. And like what really changed it for him was after that moment during the debate where Terry McAuliffe said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. He started leaning into the culture war in a way that was very, very successful for him. And that's what all Republicans should be doing. And it's like it's not even just leaning into the culture war. It's just common sense stuff like, you know, we shouldn't be teaching kids in school that to hate each other and to hate their country. You know, like we, we you know, CRT, we don't need CRT in schools like he leaned into those issues you know, those sort of cultural issues really well. And like he ended up winning in a state, he ended up winning by two points in a state that less than a year ago, Joe Biden won by 10. And like if Republicans follow Glenn Youngkin's blueprint, like like they're, they're going to dominate in 2022. Like, parent, like Glenn Youngkin really gave the GOP the blueprint for winning back the suburbs that we lost a lot under Donald Trump. Like parents and families are, 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 gonna, are now a huge constituents of the GOP. And, you know, Glenn Youngkin, you know, effectively spoke to those voters. And that's what all Republicans should be doing in 2022. If they all follow what Glenn Youngkin was doing, like we're going to like it's not it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a red wave like we've never seen it before. A hundred percent. And it's because of those cultural issues. And it's because it, yeah. it's not like Glenn, Glenn Youngkin isn't like this culture warrior. Right. Like Trump was more of a culture warrior. Youngkin's not that. I mean, like. The culture well, no, warriors right now are like Sorab Armari and Matt Walsh, and like those are, those guys are like obsessed with the culture, <sighs> obsessed with the culture wars, and that's not Yunkin, but Yunkin, especially on like the education point, made 
a moral argument, and that's what Republicans fail to do 99% of the time. Yeah. I mean, like, the, the school choice stuff is a more—like, he recognized that we on the right have the moral high ground. It's a bulletproof case. It is a more. It's not just a. It's not just a practical case. Of course, I mean, obviously, private schools and charter schools and homeschooling. You're going to get a lot better education for your children than than in government schools. But so there is the practical application there. But it, it we we have the moral high ground saying no. The teachers' union shouldn't control students. Parents should control what their students are taught. That that's that that's the morally correct argument. You know what I mean? And like Republicans need to make the moral argument. More often, because we have, like, the Democrats claim to have the moral high ground because they call everybody racist and stuff like that, but we actually have, on the right, the moral high ground. Like, we're for lower taxes because that's the moral argument. Like, forcing people to surrender their money at gunpoint is immoral on its face. We have the moral—why like, why, why don't we make the moral argument, not just the practical argument? Same with how, you know, Glenn Youngkin did with education. The war—, war. I mean, like, uh, you and I, Greg, our position on war with Russia is the moral argument, okay? There's no way you can make a moral argument against our position. Um, sorry, neocons. So it's like, it's okay to make, when, when it is clear like this, like on school choice with Yunkin, it's okay to make the moral argument. You don't just have to have this, like, boring chamber of commerce argument on taxes with everything. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's okay yeah. to fight those moral battles because we're right. We have the ability to do that because we do, in fact, have the moral high ground on a multitude of issues. Absolutely. And the GOP, I think, is starting to get it. Like, most of the, the GOP in D.C. is starting to understand this, that we need to stop listening to the consultants. We need to stop listening to the Chamber of Commerce and the corporations. We have to stop listening to the freaking Frank Luntzes and all those people of the world oh, yeah. and start you know, speaking to actual issues that not just our voters, but voters in general care about. And, you know, you know, make, as you said, making the moral argument on a lot of these issues, you will win. Like, yeah. they're winning issues. Like, Glenn Youngkin won in a state that has been reliably blue for years by doing that. And, you know, that's Republicans can do that nationwide. But all they have to do is, you know, they have to make the right arguments and they have to do what they have to they have to ignore what the folks in DC want them to do and start doing what they're and start doing right by their voters. And I think we're starting to get that. We really are. I think the GOP is the GOP is definitely getting better. A lot I, better than it than it has been in the past. I totally agree. I agree. And I think um I think there's a, a less than zero chance that if Republicans take back the House this year that we'll have a speaker not named Kevin McCarthy. You know, I think mm -hmm. that they might go with somebody different, um, uh, which would be great. You know, I, I do think that Republicans are starting to take notice, um, and especially like I, I don't think it's going to be a flash in the pan in Virginia either. Like I, all of all of these things, all the executive orders by Yunkin, they're all on issues that are winners politically, even in like swing districts. You know what I mean? It's not like he's not bomb throwing over there in the governor's mansion and just going to destroy his own popularity. Like it's it's not like that. You know what I mean? He's not like. He didn't just issue an executive order to ban all abortion day one or whatever. You know, I, that wouldn't be like legal. You know, it has to be a, you know, uh, legislative issue. But like, it's it's not just these bomb throwing like red meat stuff. It's just like common sense stuff that everybody agrees with. Uh, but dude, one more thing. It is fascinating. The Democrats are they're, I mean, they're doubling down in Virginia. I mean, like the Washington Post just ran a piece. I think it was on Friday. It was another like f the parents. <laughs> 
like no Glenn Youngkin is bad and no parents should not control what their you know in their what their kids are being taught and it's like really really like you just saw McAuliffe get wrecked and there's now a, a conservative Republican governor of Virginia and you're really gonna double down like I thought that was I thought that they would back off a little bit try to regroup you know like come up with a new strategy but Man, I mean, they're, they're really just doubling down on, like, the teachers' unions should run the world. You know, and you saw, like, the, the Democratic Party up in Michigan, um, they had to, like, delete a bunch of tweets and stuff for doing the same thing, just saying, like, the teachers' unions should control all curriculum and stuff. So it's like, this this cycle might actually be easier than we thought. I mean, if the Democrats, if they're really going to double down, man, I'm like, F parents. It's like, okay. <laughs> like, we'll do that. that okay. We'll, we'll, well, what's what's hilarious and sad about it is they literally have no choice. They have so much, they yeah. get so much financial backing from teachers unions. Like they're just so beholden to teachers unions that they have to do it. Like they they literally don't have a choice. If they like they're gonna get they're gonna stop getting checks sent their way if they actually take positions that put the children and parents over the freaking special interests. Like it's 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 really really funny that they literally have. No choice. They literally can't do it. And it's hilarious. It's hilarious how upset they are by the fact that Glenn Youngkin got elected on all of these issues that he campaigned on between school choice, giving parents a choice when it came to masking their kids, you know, giving, you know, all these other, every other issue he ran on and how they're just like seething that he's actually keeping his promises of the mandate that he that that swept Republicans into power in Virginia last November. It's really, really funny, and we'll see what he does. We'll see what happens in the future. We'll see what he, we'll see what else he decides to do. The next big thing is probably there's probably going to be, there's probably going to be a huge court battle over the mask mandate in the in the Virginia Supreme Court, which is hilarious, which is ridiculous that we need a court case over, you know, forced masking of children in schools. But that's probably going to be the next big thing. But we'll see where it goes from here. I'm really excited to watch it. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if that went to the Supreme Court in short order, too. Um, I mean, I'd love to get one of these, like, mask questions uh, decided at the Supreme Court level just so we can freaking stop. If you're still wearing a mask at this point, ladies and gentlemen, and you're not, like, an airline pilot who has to, yikes. My goodness. But, uh, I mean, shoot, dude. Did you see that study last week? It's, like, uh, speech development in kids. There's, like, I think it's, like, a 364 was the number. 364% increase in like the delay in speech development in young children as a result of masks. It's like, dude, we're going to have a generation of kids that can't speak, who can't, who don't understand like human interaction. Ugh. I, I, just, I mean, yeah, it, it, dude, I, I don't know what the ramifications of, especially what this pandemic has done, not the pandemic, what the government has done to these children. I mean, I'm fine, man. I'm a grown man. I can take care of myself. But these kids that grew up during COVID who are three, four, five, six years old, Dude, I don't know. Are we raising like a generation of psychopaths or what? I mean, like, I don't know what what the delays in development in these kids are going to be. It's going to take 10 years to to really understand the damage that the government has done to these kids, man. And it's all fun and games when they're kids, not when they're freaking 20 year olds. You know what I mean? Like this this is going to be long lasting ramifications. We're going to be dealing with this for a long time, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, in as you said, in a decade, we're going to look back on this, and I hope we never forget the adults that shifted the burden of the pandemic that mostly affects the elderly and the most at-risk, that we shifted the burden onto, onto the children. 
Yeah. You know, and what, what really pisses me off is all of the people on the left who are coming to that conclusion now as opposed to two years ago. When, too late. Too when late. people like us are saying this. Like, I don't, don't want to hear it from you. No. Like, we were saying this thing a year ago, and we got censored and bullied yeah. and called crazies. Like, but yeah, the chil- yeah. Like, children are definitely not all right. And that's like, that's going to be the greatest failure of this pandemic. Like, it's going to hurt them a lot. Like, they're going to be hurt by that a lot more than they are by COVID. One more thing before I let you go. I, I, I do want to mention, and you just reminded me, because I see you'll, you'll tweet stuff about this. Logan will tweet stuff like this. And I, to- I couldn't agree more, man. And it has been bothering me, too, the last couple weeks. People on the right, I don't understand the need to completely let everybody, anybody on the left off the hook immediately with no ramifications if they'll, like, admit that they're wrong about, like, one minor detail. Like, yeah, you know, maybe we should have listened to Republicans about this thing a few years ago before we destroyed the world. And everybody's like, oh, they're one of us. You know, conservatives would be like, oh, isn't that nice? They're one of us. See, they're good people on the left and all that. I'm like, yeah, they destroyed the the country, though. They they destroyed the country, and they banned all of us from the Internet for trying to stop them from destroying the country. So now that the damage is done, they realize, oh, crap, we did some damage. I'm, I'm I'm not super willing to just embrace those people right off the bat. Like, they're going to have to prove that they're not a degenerate sociopath for a while first. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I, I, I definitely agree with, you know, the sentiment from you guys. Like, it's it's insufferable how the people on the right are just so... I mean, not that we shouldn't forgive our political opponents. We should. We should forgive everybody. I'm a devout Christian. Of course, I believe in forgiveness. But it's like, you just can't let these people get away with it, man. Because they're not going to learn. They're going to do the same thing again if they aren't held accountable. Yeah, well, it's they're doing it now when it's like, you know, it's 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 there's no ramifications for saying these things now because it's now the widely understood opinion that it was wrong to close down schools. And like, you know, people on the right were giving like all kinds of props the other day to Barry Weiss for what she said on Bill Maher about this. And I was like, okay, that's great. We were saying this a year and a half ago. We were getting censored from the Internet for it. And it's like, okay, I'm glad Barry Weiss has come around. But yeah, where were you then? We've been saying these things. Like, where were you a year and a half ago when 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 Sweden never closed down their schools because they understood these things, unlike in America? Like, where were you when we were saying these things? And the answer is it wasn't cool, but it's cool to say it now. But we were saying it before it was cool. 100 percent. It's ridiculous. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. Greg, my brother, thanks for doing this, man. We'll do it again soon. Where can everybody uh, follow you online? Um, Greg underscore price 11 on Twitter and uh very, we got some very exciting stuff coming up with uh, my company X Strategies. We're working with a lot of cool candidates um, in the 2022 cycle. So a lot of big stuff coming up in this new year, especially in this election year. Yeah, man. Heard y'all doing a little bit of uh, big game rhino hunting, huh? Oh, yeah. We're primarying a lot of red – rhinos – specify. Rhinos in red seats, seats that can right. actually be won, not Republicans in blue seats. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. No, you guys aren't. Psychopaths like some, like some people, like some, are. like some, unlike oh. some consultants, we have, we actually have a brain. Oh, hey, this, this squishy Republican won by half a percentage point. Let's primary him with a super hard right conservative and lose. Mm, definitely not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Godspeed, you guys doing the good, doing the Lord's work over there. Everybody follow Greg. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.